We're going to honor the reading of God's Word. We're looking at the Gospel of Luke, chapter 1. One of my favorite passages here, we're going to start reading at verse 34. Mary has just uh, encountered the angel, making this announcement about what is to come. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she, who was said to be unable to conceive, is in her sixth month. For no word from God will ever, shout ever, will ever fail. Here's the focus verse. I am, Mary says, the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Then the angel left her. Shout amen. Please be seated. Away in the Manger is a super popular hymn, both here in America and across the world. Christmas Carol, that is. We don't really know who wrote it, but we do know that in 1892, a fellow by the name of uh, Charles Gabriel republished it. It was originally uh, presented as two verses. When Charles republished it, he added a third verse to it. The first two verses are simply a narrative about this little Lord Jesus and uh, the story of him uh, essentially being born away in a manger. No crib for his bed. The little Lord Jesus laid down his sweet head. Shout, Lord Jesus. The stars in the bright sky looked down where he lay. The little Lord Jesus asleep on the head. Narrative form. The third verse, however, is added by uh, Mr. Gabriel, and it is actually a prayer. Listen to it. There are various versions of this, but essentially, this is the third verse he added. Be near me, Lord Jesus. I ask thee to stay close by me forever and love me, I pray. Bless all the dear children in thy tender care. And yes, take us, shout us, to heaven to live with thee there. And somebody say amen. amen. It's a prayer, it's a prayer, it's a prayer we all essentially can pray. Now, the third thing I want to just mention about this hymn is that you'll notice little Lord Jesus is uh, the one about and to whom this uh, carol is directed. Everybody shout, Lord Jesus. Uh, The writer really makes a faith statement with this notion, Lord Jesus. He's declaring that in this one called Jesus, God has showed up on the earth. He's also reflecting his relationship that, in fact, this one Jesus is his Lord. He is in an incredible relationship. Now, here's the point. Every time Christmas comes around, it invites us to have a response to the gospel. The gospel is that God shows up in Jesus Christ to bring salvation and eternal life and new life to you and to me. And it begs us to think about what our response will be. The hope is that the response from all of us will simply will be, I believe. Everybody shout, I believe. But in honesty, as we think about the story at its deepest point, 
For many of us, the response is, I believe, but Lord, help my unbelief. The point is that for some of us, this may be our first time really thinking about whether or not I accept this story and whether or not I want to take a new step with Jesus in this route. But for the rest of us, every time this season comes around, it's a chance to reevaluate your faith. See, whether or not there's a, a, a way for you to push it to the next level. And you think about it in terms of what's my response to the gift of Jesus coming into the world. Uh, what's great about this hymn is that the guy who wrote it reveals a quiet and total confidence in this one he refers to as Lord Jesus. I was watching the funeral of Bush 41. I actually had two funerals last week, a state funeral and a private funeral. I was particularly struck by the private funeral where his pastor shared the story how when Bush 41, towards the latter several months of his life, and by the way, how many of you know that it doesn't matter how much power you have, how much wealth you have, how much influence you have, there will come a time in your life where none of that really matters. And so uh, here was uh, Bush 41 in that season. And his pastor said that Bush 41 looked at him and said, Pastor, what do you think heaven is like? The pastor remarked that what struck him about the question was that Bush 41 did not say, Pastor, do you think there's a heaven? He did not say, "Uh, Pastor, Uh, can you help me to figure out how to get to heaven? That there was a quiet confidence in that that question that says, I'm confident that I'm going to heaven because at the end of the day, I've made a decision like the hymn writer made, which is Jesus, the one who was born, is my Lord. Isn't that wonderful? Give God a hand praise. Yes. And at the end of the day, we get into heaven not based on your or my righteousness because we're never good enough in that respect. We get into heaven based on Jesus' righteousness. Isn't that good news? Come on now. We ought to celebrate that. That's good news. All right. So our faith ought to be growing. Our response should be deepening. Everybody shout, How? I want to look at Mary's response. I think there are some things we can pull out of her response that teach us how to continue to make sure that our faith is deepening as it relates to this notion of Jesus coming into the world. The first point I want to make about Mary's response is that it is a thoughtful response. Everybody shout thoughtful. We see it in verse 29 and uh, we'll look at it quickly. It says, after the, the angel greeted her, Mary was, the text says Mary was greatly troubled. I mean, she was perplexed. Uh, she was, in a sense, out of sorts. That makes sense. An angel shows up. You, you kind of get a little perplexed, out of sorts. And at his words, and wondered. Everybody shout wondered. The Greek word beneath wondered really is a word that means to, it's an accounting term. It means to take audit. It really means to try to figure it out. It means to reason, if you will. If you look at this in the NRSV, you'll see it. Uh, it says, she's much perplexed by his words and pondered. See that word? Everybody shout pondered. 
she brought a sense of reasoning, thinking to, to the process of her response. First, she's, she's reflecting on the words that were spoken to her. I'm sure many of you may know this story by now. Uh, this whole chapter one of Luke is really focused on the birth of John the Baptist and the birth of Jesus. John the Baptist is going to be the kind of person who will open the way for Jesus. And his mother is Elizabeth and his father is Zachariah. And Elizabeth and Mary are two sisters' daughters. And that makes Jesus and John the Baptist second cousins. The whole chapter of Luke is focused on this. I challenge you this week to read chapter 1 of Matthew. It has its focus on Joseph and on the Magi, as I talked about last week. And Luke has its focus on John the Baptist and really Mary's response inside of this birth process. Everybody shout response. It's thoughtful. Oh, what is she reflecting on? Well, initially, the angel comes to her in verse 28. <laughs> I remember I used to play the angel in school, Christmas plays and in church plays. And uh, I, I would, uh, the old King James Version uh, would always have the angel saying, Hail, Mary, thou art highly favored. And I was always a little kind of nervous when I said that word because in my brain it sounded like hell is spelled H-A-I-L that's what it's spelled but in my brain it sounded like H-E-L-L so I'm so happy for contemporary translations so so it actually says greetings okay I can do that one right but really the Greek behind the word greeting is really rejoice. We don't know whether Mary is in a house. We don't know whether she's outside at a, at getting water from a well. All we know is this mysterious appearance occurs and, and the words come forth really rejoice. You ought to get really excited, the angel says, for, for you are highly favored and the Lord is with you. What a remarkable thing. I, I'm, she's, she's trying to figure this one out. Just think in reflection, she's, she's saying, first of all, you're saying I should be excited. I'm frightened. And secondly, you're saying I'm highly favored with God. Does that suggest that God's been keeping an eye on me from birth to now? Because in order for him to say I'm highly favored, he must have been paying attention to me. And by the way, one of the differences between Catholic Christians theologically and Protestant Christians theologically is that nowhere in this text does it say that Mary was perfect. The suggestion is that she's faithful. Everybody shout faithful. Faithful that God's been paying attention to her and he's been watching her rising and falling. Come on now. But her heart has been a heart of shout faithfulness. Faithfulness, faithfulness, faithfulness. Listen, Mary says, and now you're going to say, and God is with me? You mean here? Do you know where I am? First of all, do you know who I am? I, I, I'm a 15-year-old girl, and, and I don't even have a lineage. Now, this is important. You got to watch Luke here. Because Luke is paying, when he writes about women and men, he lifts women in a way that other writers don't. So, for example, when he talks about Elizabeth and, and her husband, Zachariah, he describes, which is very unique in biblical tradition, he survives both of their lineage. Go to verse 5 and watch what he does. Watch what he says about, 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 uh, about uh, Elizabeth. In the time of Herod, the king of Judah, there was a priest named Zechariah who belonged, watch this, 
to the priestly division of Abijah. So that's his lineage. Watch this. His wife, who? A little louder. Was also a descendant of who? Aaron, the first priest. For those of you who may have trouble with women being engaged in ordained ministry, this woman is in the direct line of the first priest. He spells out her lineage. But when he comes to talking about Mary, he simply says there was a virgin whose name was Mary. No lineage. The suggestion here is that Mary, at least in her own mind, come on now, I'm at the bottom of the social class, and I'm in a little town called Nazareth, a little kind of ghetto town called Nazareth. Uh, you know, somebody once said, can anything good come out of Nazareth? That's, that's what they used to ask about Cushada, the little town I came out of. Come on now. <laughs> can anything good come out? Come on now. But the text says that, 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 that the, the, the insight is that God is with you. All right, here's a little aside. Those of you who like to tweet, you can tweet this one. Or tweet it or whatever. <laughs> when we look at both Matthew and Luke's treatment of the announcement of the birth, we learn that it doesn't matter how wealthy you are, how powerful you are, how influential you are, Magi, you still need God. Come on now, watch this. But when we watch Luke and Mary, we also learn that it does not matter how poor you are, how powerlessly, how powerless you are. You will always be a part of God's plan. There's nothing that you can do in poverty that make God says, I no longer need you. God works both ends of the spectrum. Isn't that something? Come on, let's give God a hand praise. I, I get excited about that. So Mary is really saying, who, me? Really? Shout thoughtful. Pondering as she's trying to reflect that. Thoughtful in terms of reflection, in terms of the greetings, and she's thoughtful going forward. Secondly, Mary's response is, a gradual response. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a response that happens uh, through a process, really, over, t- over, you know, through several stages. In verse 34, you, you'll see it uh, here. Uh, she says, uh, how will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. In other words, are you kidding me? Please explain this to me. I'm not saying I don't believe you, but this does not fit my human paradigm. Come on. Does not fit my understanding of science. It does not fit my parent, my social paradigm. As a matter of fact, this absolutely makes no human worldly sense to me. And Luke and Matthew would say that's exactly the point. In order for this thing to happen, come on, verse, verse 30, uh, uh, it says the Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and and, 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 and the Most High is going to overshadow you. In order for this to happen, it has to be an act of God. Everybody shout an act of God. You know, I often said that sometimes our faith, we have some dramatic experiences that brings us to faith. But more often, even the dramatic experiences has happened over time. I use the analogy drip drop. Revelation. 
mainly because I grew up in the country and a little uh, four, or five bed, four or five room house and the sink in the bathroom with time to time would drip, drop, that leak. And the only plumber we knew was my Uncle Avon. So we'd call Uncle Avon on Monday. He might get there next Monday. He would come. But it'd take a while. Come on now. And so, and so what I've always was fascinated by, and I just, as a little kid, you know, I've kind of, have, you know, just pray for me, um, that I noticed that the same faucet that I could put under and put a bucket on and turn the thing on, and it would flood up. In a minute, it would be overflowing. But in, when it, the faucet was leaking, drip, drop. I would drop a bucket under there. My mom said, put a bucket under there. I put a bucket under there and, and drip, drop. And, 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 but come back 24 hours later. 24 hours later, that drip, drop has reached an overflowing and that's how I really believe that the revelation of who Jesus Christ is, that's how it comes into many of our lives. It's drip, drop. Come on, it, it, it starts with some of us as kids, some of us we grow up in church, some of us uh, uh, we didn't grow up in church, but there are experiences where God was catching our attention, drip, drop. And then, and then, and then we're teenagers and, and there's something that happens in school or something that happens in college and it lets us know that there must be a power beyond myself. Drip, drop. Then we show up in some church somewhere, maybe like this one, come on now. And for the very first time, we hear the gospel explained in a way that absolutely makes sense to us. The, the bowl is running over now, but it got there. Drip, drop. The reality is, for those of us who've been with God for years, the revelation is still dripping and dropping because we're still learning new ways of understanding the incredible love of Jesus. And so Mary's response reminds us of this kind of gradual. She first says, uh, you know, she says, I have to explain this to me. Now, in order to really understand this, you have to compare her response here uh, to Zachariah's response in verse 18. You see, the angel also comes to Zachariah earlier in the chapter. And he says to Zachariah, your wife who is up in age and beyond childbearing age, she's going to become pregnant and she's going to bring forth a child. And it's not immediately noticeable by the wording. If you just read it, it sounds like Zachariah says the same thing that Mary says. Look what he says. He says, how can I be sure of this? I'm an old man. and My wife is well alone in years. Zachariah asked the angel, how, how can I be sure? Next verse. And then the angel said to him, I'm Gabriel. I stand in the presence of God. I've been sent to speak to you and to tell you this good news. Watch this. And now you'll be silent and not be able to speak until the day this happens. Because, shout because, you did not believe my words. Well, wait a moment. Sounds to me like he said the same thing Mary said. Well, I don't know. I, 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 the clue comes from the angel. I really think it's probably in the attitude. Do you know you can say one thing, you can say the same thing, but say it two different ways? 
right? He might have said it like this. Come on, man, get out of here. You must be crazy. You expect me to believe that? Who are you? Come on now. Uh, 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 bring me a bridge. I'll buy that later. Come on. Maybe that was that sense, but, but the angel really nails it when he says, you didn't believe me. Well, what's the point here? Here's the point. Mary models what I want to call open unbelief. Zachariah models what I want to call close unbelief. See, doubt is a part of faith. Uh, uh, you can't go from this level of faith to the next level of faith unless you work through doubt. There's nothing wrong with having doubt. But the question is, is your doubt connected to a closed mind? Or is your doubt connected to an open mind? Now listen, we've all had arguments with our spouse or with our 16, 17-year-olds, come on now, or with somebody who models what I call closed mind doubt. I mean, you lay it out to him. You give him the truth. You do this. You give him five different examples. And finally, you realize that that spouse, that girlfriend, that boyfriend, I don't care how you lay it out and make it clear, they will never, shall never, they will never acknowledge the truth. So you can just forget it. Why? Because they've all, I used to be this person, by the way, when I was arguing with my wife in the early years. Because if you agree, you have to acknowledge something about yourself. Come on, come on. And, 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 and I thought that if I acknowledged to my wife that I was wrong on that one occasion. <laughs> Somehow she would believe, come on now, that I could be wrong on other occasions. Go figure. <laughs> and if I acknowledge it now, I may just have to keep acknowledging it. Shall close doubt. Open doubt is, I, I don't know the answer. It doesn't make sense to me, but I'm open. If you can lay it out for me, I'm open. Is there anybody here who's got some open doubt? today. So her response was gradual. It's reflected in that she had opened out. Second, it's reflected, this gradualness, is reflected in that she, uh, in what I call her initial acceptance. Everybody shout, initial acceptance. It's in verse 38. It's one of my favorite verses of all the verses. I love this. She says at the end, she doesn't get into debate. She didn't ask for a treaty or a philosophical diatribe. She says, I'm the Lord's servant. May your word to me be fulfilled. Wow. Well, does she know all the answers to her questions at this point? No. Does she understand the dynamics of how this is going to work? No. But what she's saying is, if an angel is going to show up in Nazareth, come on now, and if he's going to make an announcement like this, and he's going to say that God loves me enough to pick me, come on now, uh, 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 the least, uh, I'm not going to wait till I got all that, till I have all the answers. I'm going to take the little bit that I have and I'm going to act on it. Tell somebody to act on your little bit. 
Some of us have been sitting back. You're missing what God has for you because you've been sitting back waiting on God to lay the whole thing out. And, and, and it always requires faith, which takes me to the third point here. Uh, 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 the gradual response is reflected thirdly in when you watch her. At the end of the day, she then is prepared to exercise faith, take an act of faith. Where is it? In verse uh, 36 and 37, the angel says, here, here's the deal. Elizabeth, your relative. Everybody knows she's been trying to have kids for years, and now she's like 20, 30 years past the point. The whole community knows that, but guess what? She's pregnant. And since that's an impossibility, everybody has said it can't happen. Go check her out. When you see her, it's going to be the proof of what I'm saying about you. And then verse 38 says, Mary packs up her stuff, and she goes. Shout act of faith. Act of faith. Now listen. Here's something I learned many years ago. I was about 14 years old in the South. They used to have these things called revival meetings. And in the National Baptist Church, during the revival meetings, they sit out what they call a mourner's bench. Everybody say mourner's bench. And, and if you were not a member of the church, you were called a sinner. I discovered at, later that everybody in the church is a sinner. I didn't know that then, but... <laughs> The difference is, is sinners saved by grace. Come on now. Uh, 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 but you go sit on the morning bench. And I never wanted to do that because that was the most humiliating experience. So I would go to my grandmother when the revival time came. But finally, my grandaunt forced me to get on the... I remember I was watching Elvis Presley. thought she would go. She came back and she said, Boy, get on out of here. You're going to go to church. If you die and go to hell, it's not going to be because I didn't try. Sit on the Mona's bench. I was like, she can make me sit here, but she can't make me get saved. <laughs> After those older sisters and brothers came and prayed for me, that was part of the process to get down there and pray for you. Something happened in my heart. And I started looking for Jesus. And I said to the Lord, if you can make me cry, that's my sign, because I knew I could control my emotions, then I'll trust that you've saved me. Five nights I sat on that bench. Nothing. Nothing. On the fifth night, my granduncle was a preacher. He said to me, boy, you know what the scripture says. If you believe in your heart that Jesus is the son of God, that he died for your sins, that he got up from the dead. If you believe that, you shall be saved. I use the word safe. He says, if you believe that, take that seat. And I was sitting there thinking, but I, I believe it. I know I believe it, but nothing has happened to me. And then I said, I'm going to just do it. And I walked towards that, it looked like I was walking five miles. And when I sit in that seat, it was as though God opened the heavens and the Holy Spirit. I understand that, that language and, and, and the Holy Spirit will come on you. Come on now. And the most high will overshadow you. That experience happened to me. And before I knew it, I was shaking in that chair. Tears burst forth cried, like a river flooding. All right. Now, what's the lesson? What's the lesson? What's the lesson? Changed my life. What's the lesson? I was waiting on a sign before I acted faithfully. But God says, no, if you're going to trust me, come on now, you better get this lesson right now. Come on. It's first an act of faith. When you step, then I'll bless. Y'all ain't listening. Come on now. Now, Some of y'all waiting on God to to, to, to shake heaven. And God has said, I'm waiting on you to get out of your seat. 
I'm waiting on you to fill out an application. I'm waiting on you to reach out to that person you've been praying for. I'm waiting on you to say, you know what? I'm going to join the church and God join God's army. And I don't know how I'm going to fix me because I can't fix me, but I'll just trust God anyhow. Here's where I want to end. Everybody say, one minute and 50 seconds, say it. That's how much time I got. <laughs> that, you know the other thing that that statement demonstrates? I'm the Lord's servant. Let his word be fulfilled. Do you know that Mary could have said no? And had she said no, do you know that God wouldn't have forced her? Because God doesn't force you to do anything. Just think how the history would be different. Oh, yes, Jesus would have still been born. Yes, the world would still have the gospel. Yes, but we wouldn't be talking about Mary. Oh, I just want to listen here. Come on, some of y'all playing with your destiny here. I, I think some of you are saying no to God, no to God, no to God. And you have no idea that what you're passing up, what you're, what you're passing up, don't pass up your opportunity to be a part of God's future. She could have said no. She said, she said yes. Shout surrender. That's what she did. That's what she did. She surrendered. Somebody in here needs to surrender. She did three things. One, she surrendered her dream. I've been talking about dreaming crazy big. Do you know sometimes God will invite you to dream crazy big and then he will say, now, surrender it. She was supposed to be married to Joseph. Remember, she had no lineage. But if you read the text, Joseph was in the lineage of David, the king of Israel. He was royal. Joseph was her dream man. Come on now. <laughs> Mr. Wright, she's going to get married Come on, they're going to have kids. She's going to suddenly get lineage. But when she said, let it be, uh, the King James Version, let it be as you said, she gave that up. Because she didn't know how Joseph was going to react. How many of you Josephs in here would have said when your fiance came and said, I'm pregnant and God did it? <laughs> Tom, I've been wrestling with that question for years. <laughs> And Rhonda had to come say something like that. I love that girl. Woo-wee. <laughs> Secondly, come on now. <laughs> she, uh, she gave up her reputation. Because you know that people, the, the conception happened during the engagement. There's a two-year engagement in the Jewish context. At a uh, two-year context of marriage, first year is engagement, second year is marriage. Engagement, you need a divorce to get out. That's how strong it is. The conception happened in the engagement. So you know that when the baby came, people counted. When was he born? When did they get married? In an honor-shame culture that was patriarchal, that was the culture she grew up in, you know that at the end of the day, come on now, that just brought shame and embarrassment. And people say they're trying to cover up. Come on now. But Mary realized that, that at the end of the day, when I, when I give myself to God, come on now, I'm willing to step down. Y'all ain't listening. Because if I step down on God's word, when it's all over, he'll lift me up. So later she will say, generations will call me blessed. Surrender. Give up. The third piece is she surrendered control. 
She didn't know that that baby, she was going to have to watch him tortured to death and die. She just didn't know. She didn't know that on the third day he would rise with all power. She just didn't know. But she was willing to give up control to a God who made the universe. I think that's a good deal. Give God a hand, praise.